Um, like I said in our prayer, we are actually in our toolbox message series. If you haven't been following with us the last few weeks, we actually just started a season of 14 days of prayer and fasting. And it's just been these last 14 days where we actually are on day eight. So if you haven't jumped onto it, if you haven't seen it on social media, go check it out. Um, we're doing a, a passion and purpose prayer and fasting. It's a season for our church as we start this new year, 2021. Thank God we made it to 2021. Give yourself a pat on the back. You made it to 2021. It's a season where we're taking some time to separate ourselves from, from food. Some people have been doing a social media fast. Um, some people have been, you know, doing an intermittent fast. And whatever it is, we're doing something that is sacrificial, um, that is challenging to us so that we can get better tuned to the heart of God so that we can get grow in our relationship with God. And I think that's so key for us in this season. Um, I grew up in church uh, and, I, and I grew up, you know, helping out in church and participating in church. But I think one of the most important things is that we would understand that in order for us to mature, um, it's going to take a relationship with God. It's going to take him having that opportunity to get involved in the, in the most inner parts of our life. And so I don't want to go through my church experience here on earth just aging through church. I want to grow through this experience maturing in my faith. How many of you guys know that aging is inevitable? One day, Matt's going to lose all his hair. He's going to have gray hair. Aging's inevitable, but maturing is intentional. And so when we take these 14 days to pray and fast, we're actually doing something intentional because, Father, we want to mature in our faith. Jesus, we want to get to know you better. Jesus, we want to get to know you closer. And we want our desires to look like your desires. And that's what this season has been. And if you, if it's been productive in, in your season, and if you have any testimony, anything that you can share with us, definitely DM us, share us a message. We would love to even host um, you on a video and share a testimony about how this prayer and fasting has impacted your life. So without any other messages, let's just jump into scripture here. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about prayer. We're in our toolbox series. Last week, Pastor Isaac was sharing about fasting. If you didn't catch that message on Facebook, it is so impactful. Maybe the, one of the things that resonated with me is he said, fasting is worship. I love that. That fasting is the sacrifice that we do, and it's a sign of worship to God. And I love that because he was saying worship isn't just a song. It's not just the, the six-minute friend in Jesus that David Venturia amazingly did for us. Thank you, David, for, for worshiping with us. Um, but it's not just a song. It's our sacrifice, and fasting is a form of worship. But this week, we're in prayer. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. If you got your paper Bible, flash that paper Bible. Um we're in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. It'll be in the chat. Um, one of our TG servant leaders will be posting that in the chat. Um, and you can follow along. And, and it says like this. Um, so to keep me from becoming conceited, to give you a quick backdrop before we jump in, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. He's writing a, a letter to the church of Corinthians. And he's actually teaching them and he's opening up. He's being really open and transparent with something that he's been praying about and something that's going on. So let's jump in. So verse seven, so to keep me from becoming conceited, becoming because of the surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. It's a messenger of Satan sent to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. He says it again, verse eight, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Verse nine, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, verse 10, 
then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, and I would I would parentheses right there, COVID-19 or COVID-20, whatever may come in 2021, parentheses that right there. And, and if I'm you, I would highlight these next couple words for when I am weak, then I am strong. I love that because Paul is teaching us and having a real conversation with the church of Corinthians. And he's not sugarcoating what's going on in his life. He's saying that there's something that I'm praying about. And we're going to study prayer. I want to just give us a little bit of a foundation um, that, that we can just learn some of the basics of what Paul is teaching us. Because in this open heart of Paul, he's actually teaching us some key principles in prayer. And so if you're taking notes, I want to, want number one, give you what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. We got that. Prayer is just a conversation with God. And, and what that entails is conversations actually is a two-way street. Some of us don't have conversations. Some of us just yell at our husbands or just yell at people. And, and that's not a conversation. That's just you yelling. But a conversation is when somebody can say something and somebody can say something back. So that definition is so powerful. It's letting us know that we can talk to God, but that God is talking to us. And I'm sorry if I'm using my hands. Um, I think I had some Italian blood in me. I got to talk to my dad about that later. But, but prayer is that conversation that we have with God. But, but I think it's a little bit deeper than that. And so if I would add to that definition, I would add that prayer is an honest conversation with God. You see, we all have conversations all day. A lot of us right now in this day and age, we have digital conversations. Anybody know a good texter? Anybody know somebody that's always good with their texting, with their messages? They always find the right GIF or GIF, however you want to pronounce it. We could talk about it later, how it's pronounced. But you know somebody who's a good texter? I know someone. His name is Marlon. He will make you laugh. He has the presentation. He knows how to just have that good conversation, how to keep it going, or Sean on the phone. I'll spend probably like two hours of my day with Sean. He just goes back and forth. We all know to have good conversations. Some of us know how to have good conversations, and we're trained to do that. In our jobs, we have to have conversations with our bosses, conversations with people, random people and strangers if you're in sales or teachers who have to have conversations with their students or teachers who have to have conversations on parent-teacher conference when it gets awkward. And I was telling someone last week, I would always want my mom to go to parent-teacher conference because her English was a little bit challenged. She speaks it well now, but it would be easier to send her than my dad because my dad knew everything that was going on, but my mom would come back with bits and pieces and she wouldn't have the full story of how bad I was being. But anyways, I, I think conversations are important and we're taught how to have conversations. There's communications degree to have conversations and how to, how to work that out, but not, we're not always taught to have honest conversations. Am I right? Am I right that a lot of times when somebody asks us how our day is, we kind of just sugarcoat it. Yeah, I'm good. But what God is looking for and what Paul is actually doing, he's having an honest conversation of God with God in, in verse 8. He's saying, God, I have this thorn in my flesh. And if you're writing in your notes, I've titled this message, A Thorn in Prayer. Some of us have some thorns in our prayers. Some of us have some things that we're dealing with in this season. Some of us have, have job loss in this season. And I don't know what your it is. I don't know what is that thing that you've been praying over and over. But I really believe God wants you to submit that to him. I love how in the Bible, David, who he's a psalmist, David, he writes this about prayer. He writes in Psalms 5.3, he says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. That is so powerful. 
Why? Because David's letting us know when he does prayer and he's letting us know that after he prays, he waits. That's the conversation aspect. How many of us just go into prayer, say what we got to say, and then don't wait on an answer? Sometimes God is just waiting for you to wait so that he can respond. Number two, if you're taking notes, prayer is privileged access to God. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is privileged access to God. Paul knew that as he prayed, he had access to God. And Paul would teach us in scriptures that the access that he had to God was not because of his own works. In fact, his access to God came from the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that forgave his sins and allowed him to have access to speak with God. And, 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 and Paul knew that. And as Paul is talking about that, he says, I, I was able to pray three times. I was able to talk with this about the Lord. But the thing about knowing that prayer is privileged access, the thing with that is, God will not force you to use or to exercise what you have access to. God's not going to force you to pray. I promise you. God will not force you to exercise what you have access to. But I've often found in prayer when I'm praying, um, I actually just came off COVID and, and, and it was a tough season. I don't know if you guys got bitten by the vid. It is not a fun experience. It is a challenging experience and it really shakes you to the core and I remember praying in those days, the, that, that week that I had to just pause for a little bit. And I remember just saying, God, thank you, because I don't know if I would be able to get through this if I didn't have access to your peace. I had nobody at my house. Everybody ran away. Everyone was gone. And, and for safety reasons, of course. But I had access to God. And sometimes when we don't have access to people, can I just encourage you that you still have access to God? When you feel alone, you still have access to God. When you feel unworthy, you still have access to God. And, and Revelations 3.20 says it like this. God says, in the words of Jesus, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God says that he'll knock, but we open. That's why it's privileged access and he will not force us to use that access. He's waiting for you to open and the way we open the door to God is through prayer. Third thing, if you're taking notes, prayer is involving God, not just informing God. I love how Paul in these verses, he's not just letting God know the problem. He's actually involving God in the situation. He's letting God know there's a thorn and, and there's something going on in my life. There's something hard that I'm dealing with. God, I'm not just informing you about it. I'm involving you with it. If we can just turn real quick to Matthew 6, 7. Matthew 6, 7, if you got your Bibles, it'll be in the chat. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And he was teaching his disciples not just to inform God of their issues, but to involve them, involve God in what they're going through. It says it like this. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows, highlight that, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus goes on to say, pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be their name. And highlight this verse. This is when we involve God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the Lord's prayer. In that prayer, Jesus is saying to them in verse 8, he's saying, God knows what you need. He knows what you need. He also knows what you think you need, by the way, but he knows what you actually need. And what he actually does is he's saying, when you pray, guys, 
pray to your father. He's talking about that conversation that we mentioned. Pray to your father. You have this privileged access to your father in heaven. Number two, what we spoke about. But he's then saying, verse 10, ask him that it would be his kingdom and his will to be done. So when I pray, I'm not just asking and telling God what's going on. I'm saying, all right, God, this is what I'm dealing with, but I want to involve you in this. I want to involve you in my pain. I want to involve you in my discouragement. I want to involve you in what's going on in my life. I don't just want to inform you. I want to involve you. And what it takes to involve God is what you do after prayer, because your prayer might just be informing, but what you do during the week, what you do when you get up from that morning prayer, what you do when you get up from that, that, that position of posturing in your prayer is how we involve God. Are you involving him in your day? Are you involving him in your decisions? And number four, prayer is less, and this is a mouthful, and I left it for the last one. Prayer is less about what I'm getting for God and more about being with God and becoming who God created me to be. Prayer is less about what I'm getting from God and more about being with God and becoming who God created me to be. When I was studying this and I was looking for it, uh, this message and what we were going to talk about, something that just resonated in my heart is I believe we can't hinge our relationship on God on what we get. Can you imagine for a moment that all your relationships, you would only have a relationship if you can get something from that relationship. It wouldn't be a relationship, it would be a transaction. You see, I have a relationship with some of the places, I, with Amazon, I have a transactional relationship with Amazon. Some of you guys have an over transactional relationship with Amazon, you guys get boxes every day, I'm gonna pray for you. Stop ordering on Amazon, get off Amazon. Some of you need to fast from Amazon. Uh, but how many know that a transactional relationship isn't what God is looking for? Where you just come and you get something. Or God's not looking for, and I'm sorry for this example, but it's the best way I can put it. What God was putting in my heart when I was younger, I would have a one-night stand with God where I would just present to my request and then nothing would happen after. I would get what I want from God, this feeling or this sense of that God is with me. And I would have what I would call a one-night stand and, and, and never change and never even invite him to a relationship. And God's not looking for that transactional and he's not looking for that shallow relationship either. He's looking for a full-fledged relationship with us. So that's why prayer is more about being with God. I love this verse in Mark 3, 14. You have to, you have to read this. When I saw it, it blew my mind. It said, and Jesus, he appointed the 12 whom he called disciples so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Man, that shakes me up. He called them to be with him before he called them to do for him. That's big. Before God is calling you to work for him, for before God is giving you the mission in your life and for you to do things for him, he wants you to know this. Mark chapter three, verse 14. He's calling you to be with him before he's calling you to do for him. And, it, and that's the life of a believer. So many times we get caught up as volunteers or whatever. We're looking what we can do for God, how we can serve in the mission, how we can serve in the gathering and do all these amazing things. But the crux of why we're here is to enjoy him and for him to enjoy us. God wants you to be with him. That's why it's more about being with God. And then the last thing, becoming. God wants us to become what he's created us to be. I like what the message says in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter three, verse 18. It's our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives, we become like him. The, the, the ESV version says it like this. And we with all unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. I like that. I like both versions because the first version is letting know that our lives are becoming something. And, and, and the second version is letting us know that we need to unveil our face. Prayer is that. Prayer is becoming as we unveil. And some of us just need to take off the veil, like that, that mask that we wear sometimes in prayer. God doesn't need that. God doesn't need the facade. God doesn't need you to hold it up and be all okay. God just needs you to pour out your heart to him and, and for you to know that he wants to transform you, like this verse says, into the image from one degree of another into the image of Jesus, for you to look like Jesus, for, for you to be able to pray and love like Jesus, to hold the peace that Jesus had. And, and, I, and I think this woke me up because when I was in COVID, how many know when COVID, you get a, when you get COVID, for those who've had it, you get a bunch of calls. You get calls from all over the place. And it usually goes like this. Somebody's going to call you, see how you're doing. And if they had it, they're going to let you know some secret success thing that they used or did to get them through COVID. And, and I remember a family member called me, and this is a funny experience. Um, they go, listen, man, I know you got it. I had it before like she was a professional or a pro and knew how to deal with it. And she goes, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take Vicks VapoRub. You're going to put it in your socks and you're going to grade a little bit of garlic and ginger in your socks. And you're going to put on the socks and you're going to go and you're going to feel so great that night and you're going to be able to get through the night. <laughs> I kind of just laughed. I was like, I'm not putting Vicks VapoRubs in no socks. Like what's going on? That's a weird thing to do. And, and we've all heard weird things to do, do three cartwheels and you'll feel better and hang upside down for 10 seconds or something. And I remember when she closed that conversation, she goes, well, I guess all we have to do is pray. All we have to do is pray. And a lot of us just say that, right? That's kind of the thing we say. All we, all we got is just to pray, right? I remember correcting that person or, or just letting them know, no, Prayer isn't all that we got to do. Prayer is the best thing we got to do. And it's just in our, in our small words that we just kind of discover what our value is on prayer. Some of us have been treating prayer as if it's just like the last kid on the dodgeball team that you pick for gym class. And it's just like, all right, maybe we'll just pray about it. Then if it's not working what I'm doing, then I'll just pray about it. Prayer is not your last resort. It should be your first response in a situation. And I love that because I know that prayer works. And hear me, prayer does work. But often what we mean, and you don't have to pray, often what we mean when we say prayer works is we mean that prayer works to get what we want. But I want to show that's not what I mean when I say prayer works. Because if I was and growing up in church, they would teach prayer like this. They would give you a whole bunch of stories and examples in the Bible. And if I were to teach it, they would say prayer works. Look, it worked for Moses. When Moses was in his moment and when he was asking the Lord to help him lead these people, the Israel people out of Egypt, it said that Moses prayed. And when Moses prayed, God helped him. Moses couldn't speak well. Moses couldn't do it on his own. And he prayed. God heard him. God said, I am the great I am in the book of Exodus. I will be with you. And we were taught, okay, like God was with Moses, God will be with you. Prayer works. And, and, and we would learn from that. God doesn't need our abilities. He doesn't need our talents. He just needs our availability and our surrender. And that's all true. Prayer works. Or we will learn about Jonah 
and Jonah, when he was in the belly of the fish and he prayed to God, he was sorry that he had run away from the, the mission that God called him to. And we would learn from that experience that, yeah, God hears us anywhere. God got that 7G connection where he can hear us even in when we're in the belly of the fish in our darkest moments. That's what I grew up hearing. Or we would hear the stories of Jesus and the miracles. And we would learn from those miracles, like the, the Roman soldier who prayed for his servant and said, Jesus, my servant is sick. If you would just come in and if you don't have to even come just say the word and my servant will be healed we would learn oh, prayer works and we will come out of those services pumped to say i'm gonna pray i'm gonna declare i'm gonna do i'm gonna pray the word of god and, and we would come so pumped out of those services or we would hear the story of peter when he was in jail and in acts chapter i believe it's five it says that when the church prayed for peter peter was thrown in jail because he was preaching the gospel he was chained to two guards two chains and as he was chained to the two guards, is that the church was praying for Peter, and that as they prayed, the chains were broken. Peter was brought out of the prison from the angel of the Lord, and we would learn from that, God hears our prayers. He can break physical chains and spiritual chains. And I want to let you know, friends, that is all true. Prayer does work. But what do we do when there's a thorn in our prayer? When prayer seems like it's not working the way we want it to? And that's the message here. Can I submit to you today, and I'm ending here, that unanswered prayers are just as powerful as answered prayers. Unanswered prayers are just as powerful as answered prayers. Because unanswered prayers can show us things in us and outside of us we wouldn't have seen before. It took this unanswered prayer in the life of Paul for him to be able to get to know what he said in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. It took that for him to see the grace of God sufficient for him. It took that for him to be able to say, for the power of Christ is made perfect in my weakness. It took that for him to see this, the power of Christ. It took that for him to be content. It took that to see this. It took weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions for him to see that when he was weak, he was strong. Can somebody in this moment, wherever you are, can you thank God for the that in your life? The that that helped you see that God was with you. When I was a kid, I thought the divorce of my parents would be the worst thing of my life. But it took that to see that God was my father. It, it took that to be able to see that, that God would be with my sisters, that God would be with us even when things didn't work out with my parents. It took that to see that God was going to be able to sustain me. It took a moment when I was at 17 years old and I had drank way too much alcohol that I almost killed myself in that moment and, and couldn't hurt myself in a different way. It took that to see that God was able to forgive me and that God was able to restore me. It took that to see this. And, and sometimes it's the unanswered prayers that God does it a different way that would show us something else about God. Paul's unanswered prayer set him up to see the sufficiency of Christ, experience God's power, and see God's strength that work through his weaknesses. And I love that Paul is able to be open with his weaknesses. And I want to let you know this, because there's, there's a lot of theologies on what Paul was talking about on his thorn. Some people say that it was moral failure or sin. I want to tell you that it was not sin. And I'm not talking about sin when I'm talking about weaknesses, because in fact, sin doesn't allow God to hear us. Can, can I tell you what's worse than an unanswered prayer? An unheard prayer. Isaiah 59, 2 says it like this. 
but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. God is saying, your iniquities, another word for iniquities is sin, transgression, that thing of missing the mark, like the Bible says that we have all missed the mark, we've all have sinned. But when we haven't confessed the sin, it separates us from God. And God says that he does not hear. Another verse in New Testament, John chapter 9, verse 31, it says it like this. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So what is this? What am I saying? Paul is talking about a thorn. He's talking about a weakness. And he makes it clear that his weakness isn't sin. And we know because God wouldn't have heard him because if it was sin, he wouldn't have heard him. God hears him, answers a different way. His issue was a weakness. And I want to let you know, our weaknesses unaddressed will lead us to sin. And that's why we pray. Because if we're just sitting here thinking that we can deal with our weaknesses on our own and we can muster, I remember growing up, it was just like, just be strong. Just be strong. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. You, you got to be strong. And in the Latin culture, that's a big thing. Men don't cry in the Latin culture. And it's just be strong and, and muster up. The thing is, you can't stand a chance against sin. It's God that empowers us to overcome. It's his grace that is sufficient for us. And another word for weakness is just lack, is deficiency. And I love that because where we lack, God has sufficient grace for. And, what, and I want to finish here. And I know I said that a bunch of times. I promise I'm ending. I want to ask you today, what do you lack? Where are you weak? Where has your weakness been leading you in 2020? What was your weakness leading you? Was your weakness leading you to the wrong relationship? Was your weakness leading you to the wrong reaction and when you reacted in anger and impatience? Was your weakness leading you somewhere? I want to let you know what you lack God actually has provision for. Do you lack self-control? 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power of love and of self-control? Do you lack self-control? Is there something in your life, eating habit, an addiction to pornography, whatever it might be, do you lack self-control? He has what we lack. And that's what Paul was saying. In my lack, I met the sufficient grace of God. In my lack and in my weakness, I met him. And in my lack, I was able to see what I couldn't see before. Unanswered prayer shows us things outside of us or in us that we wouldn't have seen before. I thank God for some unanswered prayers in my life. I don't know about you. Some relationships that I prayed for that I, if I was in that relationship, where would I be today? I might not even be in church. Some situations or jobs that I prayed for, if I would have had that job, maybe I wouldn't be here. And, I, and, and some of you who are close to me know about that in this season, that it's been praying and praying and praying, God, I want to be where you want me to be. And I just want to end here for the third close. And remember, the third close is the final close in preaching terms. If we're going to get anything from today, is that prayer works. And I know that I said that it's a weird term to say that. But I want to let you know today, prayer works. Either it's for delivery or it's for development. And I want you to take that with you. Prayer works. Prayer worked for Moses. It worked for Jonah. It worked in the life of Jesus. As Jesus prayed while he was doing ministry, he prayed on the cross while he was dying for you. And it says that today his ministry is actually to intercede, to pray on our behalf. Jesus prayed in ministry, prayed on the cross, and continues to pray. Prayer works for delivery. Prayer works for God to deliver a miracle. 
Prayer works for God to meet us in our need when we're struggling. Prayer works for God to give us peace when, when everything is just out of control. And in a season where fear is more profitable than Bitcoin, that we need that peace. And prayer works for the delivery of God's strength when we're feeling weak in our fasting, if you're, up, if you're doing that. But it also works for our development as we spend time with God. Maybe he doesn't deliver the miracle, but he, deliver, he, he develops in us the fortitude and the strength to face it, to face the hardship, to face the calamity, to face the insult. Prayer always works. It might come in the form of that miracle that you've always been asking for. If you've been praying for your child to come to know the Lord, or it might work in the development of your patience and your trust onto God. But either way works. If he answers the way I wanted, or if it goes unanswered in the way I didn't want it, it still works. And so if I want to invite you today and challenge you today, or we're going to go into a moment of worship. I don't know what your it is. I don't know what you've been praying for, but I want us to go into a quick moment of worship. And I want you to write in the chat. You're going to help me out here. I want you to write one thing. Everyone who's on here, I think there is 24 people. I think I'm on twice, but all of us that are on here, if you're hearing me, I want you to write in the chat one thing that you're praying for. One thing that you're praying for, whatever it is, it could be you praying for somebody else. It could be you praying for me. One thing that you're praying for, I'm going to actually join you guys and I'm going to write in the chat as we worship and we listen to this worship song. And I'll be right back and we're going to pray together as a community and we're going to bring this to God. And in this church community, we've seen God do such amazing and powerful things because we just leaned into prayer. And so let's worship for a moment. Thank you. 